What's going on, guys? Welcome back inside another episode of Big Easy in the Big Apple, the destination for the Houdat Nation. I'm your host, Chris Rosvogel. You can follow me, as always, on Twitter at Rosvogel Report, R-O-S-V-O-G-L-O-U Report. Um, I finally have everything up and running on this podcast in terms of platforms. we got on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and all those other great stuff. Um, if there are any out there that you haven't found Big Easy in the Big Apple on yet, shoot me a, a reply or DM on Twitter, and I will work my hardest to get that RSS feed going up on that platform. Now, before I get started into today's episode, because we do have a good amount to talk about um, with the Saints and their 2QB system, the defense, um, what's right, what's wrong uh, with that unit going into Sunday against Seattle, I want to talk about something I'm going to be doing for this um, season and this podcast in particular and what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a supporter podcast page. It's actually already out by the time you're listening to this episode. And there's going to be tiers for it um, that allow you to support the podcast for as little as 99 cents a month, which is pretty cool in my opinion and it'll allow you to do a lot of cool stuff. For one, anyone who supports the show, I give you a chance to basically suggest and for the most part, get your wish in terms of what content is going to be discussed. If there's a segment you want me to cover on the show, you shoot me a message and I will be... Uh, able to cover that segment before that next episode. You'll also earn shout-outs on the podcast, as always. Um, receive a follow on my social media platforms. If I don't already follow you, look, the odds are I probably do if you're a Saints fan. But if I don't, always just let me know, um, and I will be able to do that in a blink of an eye. Um, and lastly, and most important for me, um, people who support the podcast are able to get on the show. You can call in, pose a question, a concern, or even a compliment for the Saints team when they are warranted. Um, but I think those are the cool perks of being able to support the show. But anyway, guys, let's get into what's most important, and that's Saints football. Now, before I talk about Teddy Bridgewater, Taysom Hill, what's going on there, um, a quick update on Drew Brees, who had his surgery. Doctor said he went well. Now, look, I'll tell you what. When I read that report, I laughed because no doctor's going to tell you if they messed up the surgery. Like, are they going to be like, oh, crap, we really butchered Drew Brees' thumb? No. Um, they have the best doctors in the world. They don't mess up. At the same time, even if they did, you wouldn't know. So um, the surgery that said went well. I think it's going to be a six-week recovery because you have to remember it's six weeks, then the bye. So it's really seven weeks off and that one week of heavy, intense preparation for that Falcons game. And by then, I think Drew, who usually hits his deadlines and sometimes gets even earlier than usual, will be ready by that Falcons game. You have to remember, Drew Brees in 20, I believe 15 was the year, hurt his shoulder. Doctor said he's going to be out for a couple of weeks, they thought. After one week, he comes back. Now, it's different between shoulder soreness and basically dealing with the torn ligament in your thumb. Obviously, the torn ligament in your thumb is worse. But for Drew Brees to come back earlier then, I expect him to do the same with that thumb injury. So it sucks to not have number nine on the field for the next couple of weeks. But I do think for that Atlanta game at the start of November, he will be back controlling the offense and all will be well in the Big Easy. Now, with Drew Brees out, who's the quarterback taking over the offense? Well, the answer is, who are the quarterbacks 
that would be the question. The answers would be Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill. Um, a lot of people called for Taysom Hill. And as a matter of fact, um, when the Saints knew that Drew Brees was going to be out, I actually posed the question on Twitter and put up a poll. Who would you rather have as the quarterback, Taysom Hill or Teddy Bridgewater? Um, 61% out of 432 votes. So thank you, by the way, if you did vote. 61% out of 432 votes said Taysom Hill. I found that interesting. Um, cause I thought Taysom was leaps and bounds better in the preseason than Teddy Bridgewater, but here was the deal. Teddy went against one slash two Taysom went against threes. Um, that said, Taysom really improved as a passer. Um, he did a lot of things better than he did the year before. Um, he showed strides in the Saints offense, but here's the reality. I don't think Taysom Hill is a starting quarterback in this league yet. If he gets to that point, but what he is, is a heck of a football player. So if the Saints were taking Drew Brees out from under center and putting Taysom Hill in for at least five plays a game, why wouldn't they do the same but more when Teddy Bridgewater is the other quarterback? It makes no sense. If you're going to take a Hall of Famer, Hall of Fame quarterback out of his spot, then you can clearly and easily take Teddy Bridgewater out of his. So what I think the Saints are going to do, and now look, I'm not Sean Payton, so I can't literally tell you what the Saints are going to do. I mean, no one out here can except for Sean Payton himself. Um, but what I think we're going to see is an offense built around Teddy Bridgewater for the most part, do the things that he exceed, uh, six, uh, excels in, excuse me, which I have noted out before. He's great with the crossing patterns. He has one heck of a pump fake. I was watching his Minnesota tape for you guys, um, and I laid out a little bit and detailed it out on Twitter for you. Um, pump fake isn't fantastic. What he does great, hitting guys in crossing patterns, setting up play action, rolling out on bootleg plays. It's something that he does really well. I watched the game where he versed the Bears. He had four touchdown passes. Um, he looked good. The most important thing, though, about Teddy Bridgewater, I discussed this with a lot of people, including Ross Jackson, who does the Locked On Saints podcast, and he's fantastic with that. So if you haven't, by the way, listen to that, you should. Um, what me and Ross have talked about is Teddy's inability to trust himself. There is something right now, um, mentally, and that's fine. It's normal for a player to do this, where he knows he can run, he's got the athleticism to run, but his mind just and it just won't let him. So, look, Teddy Bridgewater is not one of those quarterbacks that's going to scramble around and, and and give you Lamar Jackson numbers on the ground. It's not going to happen. But Teddy Bridgewater's an athletic guy in the sense that he can get the necessary yards when he needs to move. He can maneuver his way around the pocket and um, navigate himself well. But in, since that injury, and and it's it's frustrating. Teddy has not been able to let himself go and just trust himself. And that's why we're getting Teddy Bridgewater, the game manager, instead of Teddy Ballgame, who was sensational at Louisville and a pretty good quarterback with Minnesota actually made a Pro Bowl. So that's the difference for me. Um, I think Teddy is a very smart guy. Um, the, the question is, will he be able to trust himself and take chances? And I think he needs to. Um, because the one thing about the NFL is you don't get many chances for a do-over or many chances to prove yourselves. And this is the last chance probably for Teddy Bridgewater. Remember, could have taken the Dolphins' job and decided he's going to stay with the Saints. Now, at the time, we all thought it was great, and guess what? It looks even better now because the Dolphins are a train wreck, losing by 40 points every week. And the Saints, albeit don't have Drew Brees right now, still have talented guys with Jared Cook and Kamara, Michael Thomas, and Ted Ginn around Teddy Bridgewater. It's a better supporting cast. You have a better coach, a better system. Uh, and now this is his last chance to show for six games. You win three or four of those games. People can say, man, Teddy Bridgewater can still play. Um, maybe we should sign him as a starter next year. So that elevates his career. And he's back on the map as one of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the National Football League. 
So Teddy needs to play well. As for Taysom Hill, look, you can play both quarterbacks on the field at the same time. That's what I want to see because Taysom Hill only really reads one side of the field. So what you can do is get away with having Teddy Bridgewater on the field as well. So maybe the DBs will leave him open. And even if they don't, Taysom's probably not going to go to the side that he's on anyway. Now, your question is, does that basically handcuff the Saints to one side of the football field? Look, possibly on some plays, but the beauty of having Taysom Hill in is if there's nothing there, it's going to be about one, two, three seconds. That's it. You're running. You're out. You know, one, two, three, get out of the pocket, go make a play. And he, for the most part, he can. We've seen him truck DBs time after time after time. So why wouldn't it be any different now? And Sean Payton, obviously, you lose so much of not having Drew Brees because the two of them have such a good connection. Payton and Brees, um, they know what they want every play. They know the coverages they're getting. And their preparation leading up to matchups are, you know, it's phenomenal. You, you should never take it for granted. Um, at the same time, this is going to be Sean Payton's chance to prove the rest of NFL. Even when Drew is gone, I'm still going to be a force to be reckoned with because of his creative play calling ability. Um, now, I know a lot of media analysts and experts are low on the Saints this year. Kyle Brandt, um, who does Good Morning Football on NFL Network, had a really um, good analogy for what the Saints can do with Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill. So he said, when it comes to Taysom specifically, he's, you know, that nice car that you take out for a spin around the block and then you put it back in the garage. Now, he's going to take that cover off and he's going to show what's behind that hood. And I think it's going to be fun to watch. Um, I'm telling you from now, obviously, it's disappointing not to watch Breeze. I cannot wait to see what Sean Payton is going to do with this offense. Even if it's going to be bad, you can't wait to see, for better or worse, what he's going to be able to manufacture in this week with two quarterbacks like Bridgewater and Taysom Hill. Um, so, actually, honestly, if you're listening to this right now, um, what do you think about this same situation? You know, Let me know on Twitter. Um, are you content with them going with two quarterbacks? Would you prefer for them to stick with one? Me personally, like I said, um, I think at the very least, at the bare minimum, what you're doing by saying you're using two quarterbacks and not saying which one's actually the starter, saying instead of having to prepare for Drew Brees, which is a nightmare for defenses, now you have to prepare and wonder which quarterback's even going to play. So I think that is the beauty of Sean Payton. Um, he's always going to make you think twice. It doesn't matter who's under center. He's going to make you do your homework. And it would have been easy to say Teddy Bridgewater's a starter, and that's it. But guess what? That gets Seattle off the hook. Now Seattle has to game plan for something they can't actually game plan for. Because Teddy Bridgewater hasn't played an actual game that was meaningful in four years, and Taysom Hill's never started an actual game. So how do you prepare for that? You just don't. You can't. Um, what you can do your best is watch their highlights and try and find their tendencies which some of them do have, like Teddy, for example, holds the ball too long. But it's still hard because at the end of the day, like I said, there isn't enough tape on Taysom. There isn't enough tape on Teddy Bridgewater with the Saints offensive system. So I want to see what Seattle does just as much as I want to see what New Orleans puts out on the field this Sunday. Now, don't go anywhere because I'm going to give out my predictions for the Saints-Seahawks game, and I'm also going to talk about the defense, what's been good, what's been bad, um, but I'll do all of that right after the break.
And welcome back inside Big Easy in the Big Apple. Once again, your host, Chris Rosvoglu. Follow me on Twitter at Rosvoglu Report, R-O-S-V-O-G-L-O-U Report. And I'll make sure to follow you back if you are a member of the Houdat Nation. Now, uh, before I get into the next half of this episode, just want to remind you guys you can support Big Easy in the Big Apple for as little as 99 cents a month. And it comes with some cool perks, which I talked about earlier in the show. Um, now, I discussed the Saints quarterback system, and I did the best I could in the fact that we do not know. I don't know. You don't know. Um, any analyst on TV for ESPN or CBS Sports or whatever show you watch, FS1, I don't, you know, we don't know. They have no clue. The only people that know are in the Saints building, which none of us are at the moment. So it's going to be so unpredictable, yet so fun to watch. Um, and I really think Sean Payton, with the security of a five-year contract, um, knowing what's at stake, knowing this is a very winnable division, there's you know injuries to Cam Newton, Jameis Winston's very shaky, the Falcons needed a miracle to beat the Eagles. It's a very winnable division. So you stay in the hunt, and then you get Drew Brees back, and you make that second-half push, and who knows? Maybe this is the year that all the wrongs get righted um, and everything gets corrected in NOLA. But until then, um, we're going to have to wait and see and, and, and watch what happens with this new offense. Now, I did talk about this you know, two-quarterback system. Now I'm going to look over at the defense. What's been right? What's been wrong? Um, I see a lot of people panicking. A lot of people complaining about the defense. Here's the reality of what I saw on Sunday. That defense played lights out for three quarters. It's not easy to stop the Rams. It's not. Um, but what the Saints did in the first half was nothing short of dominant. And what they did in the second half was an act of, we weren't going to win this game, and it looks like they kind of just, at the end, just didn't have the motivation. And that's fine. Because you watch in the second half what happened. First half, six points given up the Rams. Second half, 21 points. That's a big drop-off. But a lot of those plays were unfortunate. So, the Cooper Cup play, I've already spoke, I've you know, I've, I've talked about this before. Looking back at that play, First off, Marcus Williams levels Marshawn Lattimore, so that didn't help. And two, the defense at that point was like, you know what? This game's over. So I don't really take stock into that. What I did notice is that the Saints have fallen out of love with Marcus Williams. They don't trust him anymore. They don't know what to do with him anymore. And at some point, Saquon Hampton, in my opinion, is going to be the starting free safety for the Saints. Because this is what I see with Marcus Williams. I see a player who, by the way, all this was highlighted by Deuce Windham, who does probably the best Saints X's and O's um, analysis you'll ever see. When it comes from breaking down the film and seeing what went right, what went wrong, he's the guy to follow. He's fantastic at it if you're not doing it. And Deuce brought it up, and Brian Bienemy also brought it up, um, the struggles of Marcus Williams. He is playing 20 yards off the ball on a third and two because the Saints don't trust him. You have to keep everything in front of him, or you know if you don't, everything's getting behind him. So that's another issue. A second issue, he's still tackling with his head to the side, throwing his body. We saw that week one, he missed Deshaun Watson, the total whiff. And three, the Saints don't trust him to the point where Von Bell is playing on the sides where there's more, more receivers. For example, if there's a triplet set or trip set, you're going to have Von Bell behind Marshawn Lattimore, not Marcus Williams. That's an issue. That shows we don't trust you anymore. And to make it even worse, um, as Deuce pointed out, Marcus Williams isn't even turning his hips to the right side. If he has a player going to a corner route, his hips are turned in. How does that help you if the ball gets thrown in your direction? Now, for as bad as Marcus Williams has been, and he's drawing down the whole secondary with his poor play, 
the pass rush and the front seven of the Saints team is going to be their freaking strength, man. It is great. They lead the league in sacks right now with nine. Cam Jordan, you know what you're getting from him. Trey Hendrickson, for years we've been waiting for the breakout season. He's got three sacks already. This is the breakout season for Trey Hendrickson. I mean, you know who has more sacks than him? Cam, uh, not well, Cam Wake does, but also a player like Miles Garrett with five sacks. And Miles Garrett's the number one overall pick. That's how good Trey Hendrickson's playing. Um, Saints got to be thrilled with him. And also another guy who I've been hard on, we've all been hard on, but I was not hard on him at all last week. I thought he played great. Marcus Davenport. We were waiting for it. This is what we wanted to see. Because now, not only is Marcus Davenport getting after the quarterback, if he's not coming up on the stat sheets with getting the sacks, someone else is because of the pressure he's forcing. Sometimes, it's about being the guy that bites the bullet so the other player can get the numbers. For example, I don't know if you guys ever watched him back then with San Francisco, but Justin Smith did an excellent job of taking all the double teams, taking all the offensive line's attention, and Alden Smith was the guy getting the 20 sacks in one season. While Justin Smith ate up, you know, all the double teams and wasn't getting the attention of the media, his teammate was thriving, but he wouldn't have been thriving without Justin Smith. That's what I'm seeing with this defensive line of the Saints. Cam Jordan is just a beast, so he's going to get his regardless of what you do. Davenport is taking the pressure off of Hendrickson, taking the pressure off of Malcolm Brown, soon to be taking the pressure off of a Sheldon Rankins. And it's all going to get better when Rankins comes into play. And Rankins, uh, by all the rumors right now, it sounds like he's going to make his debut on Sunday. So I love what this Saints defensive line is doing. And that brings me into my next point, matchups. And what determines a Saints-Seahawks battle in week three? Well, one of the biggest things to determine it is how much pressure you're getting after Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, who has my utmost respect, is elusive. He's dangerous. He can beat you in the pocket. He can beat you on the run. He can beat you virtually anywhere on the field. He's been sacked eight times in the first two games. The Seahawks have not done a good job protecting him. They did not invest heavily in their offensive line. Um, now, look, they invested in Jadavion Clowney. They got better on the defensive side of the football. They drafted DK Metcalf to give um, Russell Wilson a big body receiver. But they didn't fix the offensive line. The Saints defensive line can completely control the tempo of this game if they get after Russell Wilson. You put him down a couple of times. You let him know he's not going to be as much of a threat as you thought he would running the football. And when that happens, you completely take away what Seattle's dangerous at. The big play over the top to Tyler Lockett. The big play to DK Metcalf, which beat the Steelers last week. And that's a big key for this game. Getting to Russell Wilson. The Saints... Although we're killed in the secondary by Deshaun Watson, they did sack him six times. I'm not saying you need to sack Russell Wilson six times. Can you get after him three times? That would be a good number. If you get after Russell Wilson and the numbers show what's happened the first two weeks, three to four times, you're going to have a good shot of winning this game. Because although Seattle's 2-0, and although Seattle plays very well at home in September and just at home in general under Pete Carroll, their offensive line is not great, and they've only won... The first two games by two points or less. They beat a Cincinnati team by one, which the next week got steamrolled by the 49ers on their home turf. And then they beat a Pittsburgh team led by Mason Rudolph by two points. So what I'm led to believe is this Seattle team continues to ride the heroics of Russell Wilson. They're a good football team, but Russell Wilson's the reason they're 2-0. So if you can at least get to Russell Wilson enough, put him down a couple of times, wear him down, wear him out, you're going to have a very good chance of winning this football team, football game. And also, nothing against Drew Brees. Obviously, you would prefer to have Drew Brees in this game. The Saints offense usually doesn't perform well in Seattle anyway, 
So it's going to come down to defense, in my opinion, for both teams. How does Seattle play against Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill? How do they control that two-quarterback system? How many points do the Saints keep Russell Wilson and co. under? If it's 20 points and under, the Saints are going to win this football game. I'm telling you from now. They keep it at 20 points and under, they will win this football game. That said, I don't believe that is going to be the case because Russell Wilson will be able, in my opinion, to get over the top of Marcus Williams, to get over the top of Eli Apple, um, and beat them a couple of times for big plays, whether that's Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf, who knows. Um, but that's the issue I'm finding with this team. Now, this brings me to my other matchup that I'm looking for, and I really want to see what happens here. What do the Saints do with Marshawn Lattimore? I'm, I'm hearing and seeing a lot of Marshawn Lattimore uh, criticism on Twitter. Here's my response to that. Please, please, please just stop. Because if you're watching the game, Marshawn Lattimore's going up against good receivers, getting them physical battles. And yeah, sure, his wide receiver catches it after a 10-yard game. Where is his safety to finish the play? If he gets beat over the top, where's the safety to finish the play? The reason Marshawn Lattimore got beat over the top by Hopkins in week one wasn't just because Hopkins got a good release off the line of scrimmage. Marcus Williams was nowhere to be found. So when your safety help is nowhere to be found, I don't care how good of a cornerback you are, you're not going to be okay in deep situations. I don't care if you're Jalen Ramsey. I don't care if you're Stephon Gilmore. I don't care if you're Darrell Revis from a couple of years, you know, 10 years ago. I don't care. It's not going to work out in your favor. So what do the Saints do with Marshawn Lattimore? Do they let him just take out Tyler Lockett for the game? Or do they try to put him on DK Metcalf? Me personally? I want to see him on Tyler Lockett. DK Metcalf is such a freak physically that he might be able to just beat, you know, Lattimore in a couple of jump balls. The Saints could take Lockett out of the game. You're taking away Russell Wilson's favorite target. You're taking away their most dangerous target down the field and their most sure-handed wide receiver. Tyler Lockett, although he's dropped the ball a couple of times this year, doesn't really drop the football in general over the course of his career. So remember when the Saints played the Patriots in 2017, the Saints put Lattimore on Cooks and said, you take him out. Well, he did a good job of that. Now, can Lattimore go unlock it, take him out of the game? Don't let him be a factor. And what that comes down to is, can you stop the run with Rankins? They're going to be a good chance of doing that. And can you get after Russell Wilson? It completely changes the game, especially if Lattimore's locking down Lockett. Now, I know that sounds funny, actually, locking down Lockett. I actually probably should have thought of that before I said it. Um, but seriously, if Lattimore's taking out Lockett, it really does change the whole course of the game. Um, I think the Saints are going to have times where this defense is going to look dominant on Sunday. It's going to come down to complementary football. Defense plays well. Can the offense capitalize the next possession? It's really what football mostly is about. Um, all that being said, my prediction for this game, I got Seattle winning 24-21. It's going to be a close game. And at this point, I'm not kidding. I've been flipping a coin. You know, I mean, I, I know the Saints don't have Drew Brees, but I don't think the Seattle team's that good. Not one that scares me in the slightest. Um, the one team that scares the Saints, in my opinion, are the Rams. I know the Saints are never going to say they're scared of the Rams, but if you're saying the one team that consistently has their number or can compete with them head-to-head -head easily, it's the Rams. Seattle doesn't do that for me. They've been riding on the heroics of Russell Wilson, who can do it again and lead them to 3-0 on Sunday, but you're asking so much to do it time in and time out and week in and week out and saying, Russell Wilson, can you get us another win? It's unfair to him. Uh, but anyway, that is my prediction for that Saints-Seahawks game. I got the Seahawks 24-21. Wouldn't shock me in the slightest if the Saints win, but because of the uncertainty of the offense, I can't really tell you from now that the Saints are going to win that football game. I don't even know what that offense is going to look like. Um, 
so it makes it tough on me. But let me know in the comments what you guys think the score is going to be, who you have winning that game. I'm assuming a lot of you guys might be on the Houdat Nation bandwagon and say the Saints will shock the world and win that game. And some of you might be pessimistic and say we're not winning a game when Drew Brees is out. goes both ways. I'm used to it. Um, but anyway, guys, that's going to do it for us on this episode of Big Easy in the Big App. I want to thank you guys for listening as always stay tuned for another episode which will come on monday it's going to be a review of what we see in seattle hopefully good things come out of that game um but until then enjoy the rest of your week stay tuned for that injury report from the saints coming out later um on friday um and enjoy the saints game on sunday when they go into seattle and hopefully start the teddy bridgewater era with a win